Hey everybody, welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I am Ross. And I am Gordon. Welcome to episode number 129. Jeez, that's a lot. It is. I wonder if anybody actually listens. Hmm. Some do. Some do. We know that (laughs) because they comment and send us email. And you should feel free to. If you have questions or comments, you will note on the page that you can send questions, comments to ross at thephotovideoguy.ca and I actually answer. Really. And I don't. <laughs> and Gordon doesn't because I haven't given him an email address yet. That's really the whole problem. That's my bad. So this is episode 129. We're going to talk about possibly the most important thing there is related to digital photography and digital video. And Probably the least understood and least implemented. I fear that you are right. So, Gord, what are you going to ask me about today? Well, I have heard you talk about this on occasion. And uh, when I try to break it down into stuff that I understand, I realize I don't. So... My understanding of a backup is something that you go to when plan A fails. That's pretty accurate. It should be plan B. It should be plan B. But when I'm reading about it, it seems like it's perhaps more than just a little bit of that. Well, and in fact, that's true. There are many kinds of what we perceive as backups But uh, IT professionals, of which I are one, will tell you that there's actually one, only one really reliable backup methodology. And we call this the rule of three. Okay. So, first and foremost, whatever backup method you choose, you should have a backup. Now, what should you have a backup of? Well, you should have a backup of your images or your video clips. But what if you use software like Lightroom? Is there anything from Lightroom that you should also have a backup of? Now, Gord, you're a Lightroom user. Yep. What else should you have a backup of? Well, uh, I my understanding is that all your images, uh, through the wonders of computer science, uh, are cataloged in Lightroom. So that Indeed they are. where they are and how to find them and maybe what was done to them. What happens if that catalog goes missing? Uh, you have to start from scratch, maybe? Yes, that's absolutely correct. So one of the things that you will notice, if you're a Lightroom user or you're using any other type of cataloging program, at some point in there it's going to say, did you want to make a backup of your catalog? And by default, Lightroom will ask you, when you go to exit it. Yep. And in fact, there's a preferences setting that says, ask me every time I exit. Yep. And some people say, well, that's annoying because that's going to take an extra 30 seconds or two minutes out of my life. Right. Do you think, is it conceivable? Sorry. Don't go there. (laughs) Princess Bride moment there. (laughs) Inconceivable. Is it conceivable 
that it might take you longer to recreate every edit you've ever done than waiting two minutes for the backup to happen. Uh, I think that's pretty much guaranteed. Yeah. And it won't, won't be a little longer. It'll take you and possibly time and money because I don't think most of us have the wherewithal to recreate that. And I am being a bit flippant, but I've seen so many fine people lose everything because they're not doing this simple process. So before we even get into backing up your original images or your original video clips, make sure that if your system uses any kind of catalog, back that up. Now, where do you run Lightroom from, Gordon? Uh, Lightroom runs off my hard drive. Right. And where do you keep your catalog? Uh, it's kept on an external drive. Somewhere. Okay, fair enough. So where do you keep your catalog backups? On other external drives. Right. And I think this is the really important thing, guys. A backup should never, ever, ever underline ever be stored on the same drive as the original of anything right. because it's extraordinarily rare uh, in this, in these times that we're going to have a single file or single block of sectors or single section of a memory chip on an SSD drive go bad. What we're going to see is it all goes bad. And as we teach in so many things, hope for the best, plan for the worst. So. Uh, I think maybe um, what I didn't understand earlier is that when you're backing up that catalog, one should not make the mistake of thinking that it's also backing up your images. Oh, that's a very good point that you're making. Are the images in the catalog? No. So how could a backup of the catalog actually back up the images? Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. And this is very important to recognize that with the exception of what we call blob-based tools, binary large object, Apple Photos is a good example of this. Backing up the blob doesn't include the pictures. Right. Now, if you back up one of these blob files that Apple uses, as an example, there may be other products, you are getting everything. But it's going to be massive. Okay. Because it's not just your cataloging information, it's actually all the images themselves. Okay, I did not, I wasn't aware of that. So uh, most of the editing tools that we use, Lightroom, Photoshop, Capture One, they don't store the images with the program at all. Okay. As we talked about in a prior episode, you put the images wherever the heck you want and you let the tool know where they are. Sure. So we want to make sure that we're doing that. Now let's get down to the topic of the images or the video clips specifically. Right. You're going to store them someplace. Now you say you're storing them on an external drive, yes. not the computer hard drive. Not the computer hard drive. And this is the recommended methodology because if the computer hard drive runs out of space and it goes bang, 
not only have you lost all your images, but you're in a full recreate mode. Yep. So you should be backing up your computer's boot drive through some other mechanism. Okay. For Apple, that could be Time Machine. Do an external drive. Right. And that's going to take an image of the whole drive. Okay. And if you're a Windows user, there are lots of applications. The one I use for Windows... Uh, that I've used for Windows 7, Windows 10, now using for Windows 11, is a Cronus True Image. And it does a full file-by-file image of the hard drive. So if I lost that boot drive, I could recreate everything from scratch simply by restoring to a brand new drive. Okay. And that's how Time Machine works too. Okay. So does Microsoft uh, provide you with something that you don't have to purchase over and above? I have to be honest, I don't know if they do in Windows 11. Okay. In prior versions of Windows, they had backup tools, but in my opinion, they were a lot like removing your own appendix with a pen knife <laughs> and a hand mirror. You could do it, but it was not fun. Okay. And there are lots of really great tools that are under $100 that do a great job at this. And they'll also do disk scrubbing, and version management and all kinds of good stuff like that. Okay. And that's why I chose I choose Acronis in that regard. So if we assume that we've got a backup of our boot drive and we're doing things the way we should, as you're doing them, putting our images and our video clips on an external drive, that's a very good thing because it's easy to re-image that external drive onto yet another location. And when you run out of space, you just get a new big drive and copy everything. Right. Or when three years have passed, it's probably a good time to think about getting a new external drive anyway. Okay. What you're going to pay for is probably going to give you three to four times the space of what you paid for the first time. And it's going to be brand new. So onto that drive that you've just purchased, would you put the stuff that was already on? The Absolutely. Other drive? I copied all over. Okay. I like to keep my images in one place. Okay. It, it's just simpler that way. Lightroom gets less confused. <clears throat> so then you, your implication is that the, the catalog that Lightroom is backing up. Um, if you take one set of files and keep them on one drive and then start again, you would have to start with a second Lightroom catalog? No, Lightroom can actually handle multiple image sources just fine. Okay. You could have potentially multiple drives connected to your computer all managed through a single Lightroom catalog. Okay. However, you're probably going to run out of ports. Yep on the computer and we tend to recommend the replacement of spinning drives traditional hard drives right. every three to four years okay. there's this thing in technology called mean time before failure these are very small drives they're not hardened they really are casual use right and experience has said to us that if you're replacing them every three to four years, the likelihood that you're going to lose a drive is pretty, pretty small. Okay. You keep one for seven or eight years, your odds grow up and they, and it's a steep hill. It climbs really fast. 
So why take a chance? Sure. Because I think we can buy like terabyte drives for under a hundred dollars now. Okay. We're not we're not going bankrupt. And of course you should probably stick with name brand drives at all times because did you want to trust, I don't know, five, ten, fifteen years of photos and videos to Bob's hard drive? <laughs> Bob may be a very nice person, but I don't. And there are lots of manufacturers, apparently, there really aren't that many. In the spinning drive world, we've had great success with those from Western Digital Corporation. Okay. They make a very fine drive. Now, they're actually owned, they were sold recently, and the company that bought them, I believe, is Hitachi Data Systems. Okay. And if I got that right... That's a really fine storage management company. Okay. Big mainframe computers used Hitachi spinning disks for years. Okay. And I've used them in servers for a long time. Never had one go bad. And I'm using Western Digital drives in my network attached storage and in servers today. And I've never, ever lost a WD drive. Okay. I cannot say that for other brands. So please don't ask me about others. The other, other brands. <laughs> because I'll tell you the truth. And, you you know, it's going to be an unpopular answer. Now, the other type of drive that we're encountering that are getting really inexpensive is called the SSD, or solid state drive. Mm-hmm. And some people think, oh, that's just like a big memory card. Not really. Okay. The concept is the same in that the data will will be preserved when the power is removed. So it's not like random access memory in your computer. Okay. When you write to an SSD, it sticks. Okay. There has been a lot of talk about what the mean time before failure is for SSDs. And frankly, it's a mathematical guess. Because they haven't found one yet. Because they haven't found one yet. Okay. And even the most conservative scientists in this space are saying you're probably good for at least 10 years. Okay. And if your SSD provider and the controller that is using it is using all the proper SSD management tools, trim control and all that sort of thing, maybe you can go a lot longer. So today when I'm buying these portable drives and I really do like this idea, I'm going to go to an SSD drive. They will cost more money for the same amount of storage than a spinning drive. But they run at the speed of memory, not the speed of spin. Right. So they're very, very fast. And somewhere around here, plugged into this Windows laptop, there's a one terabyte SSD that's about the size of an old pack of gum. Hmm. Needs no power. Uh, I have had huge success with these external drives from the Samsung Corporation. They're one of the folks who do actually make these things as opposed to rebrand somebody else's. Okay. Um, it's something that Samsung's good at. So Samsung, uh, well, you, you had mentioned Western Digital a while ago. Western Just Digital for spinning, spinning drives. drives. And they have not gone into the SSD? They market. have. They may be making them themselves or they may be buying the SSD Samsung. from someone else. Okay. But Samsung's one of the biggest providers. Okay. 
And, and again, I can only recommend that which I've used. Sure. In all my video recorder uh, systems, in my decks, and in my video cameras that take SSDs, I've used Samsung and I've never lost one. I also have Samsung SSDs in the last surviving Drobo. Don't get me started about Drobos. <laughs> uh, and it has, well, the drives have never died. We okay. won't talk about the Drobo dying because it has. Okay. We may have to get to that because I'm certain a lot of people don't know what a Drobo is, but you can get to Oh, that here, later. I'll make it simple. Never buy one. <laughs> there you go. Well, that makes it easy. That makes it very simple. Now, um, so we're, we're then talking about putting all this data onto uh, an SSD. Uh, does the data that we put onto these devices actually degrade with time? For instance, if we were backing up something to a CD or, you know, you've got all the family photographs on the CD and we think... Oh, you know what? Thank you. Because I honestly I didn't, wasn't sure where you were going. Because modern disks, either spinning or SSDs, the data doesn't go bad because the media doesn't go bad. Okay. You need a head crash on a spinning disc. Like literally, the head that floats above the spinning platters right. has to auger in and dig a trench. Okay. In the case of SSDs, there's something that's got to go horribly, horribly wrong with the controller. Okay. Because there's no, there's nothing touching. There's no moving parts. Okay. CDs and DVDs were a very popular way to store photos before. Right. Um, it's a very bad way. Okay. To store photos because they do go bad. Uh, a CD's half life is ten years. And DVDs, they're a little better, but not much better. But here's the real problem. You can't put them in anything now. Well, yeah, you might have trouble finding a device, but I got a simpler and bigger problem for you. Okay. How many megapixels is your camera? Um, 20, I believe. Yeah, okay. So roughly how big is a raw file? You do the math. <laughs> it's about 20 megabytes. Okay. It's, it, it literally is pretty close to that. Okay. And for the purposes of rocks and rolling, we're going to say that. Okay. Maximum capacity of a CD, 660 megabytes. Okay. I can get 33 pictures on it. <laughs> now I've been photographing with you. You may come back with more than 33 photographs. From, yes. Uh, I hadn't ever thought of it that way, but yes. So you're going to run out of storage. Sure. In the case of DVDs, default storage space is 4.74 gigabytes. Okay. And that platter is still going to go bad. Yep. It's a bad plan. Okay. And by the way, the machines needed to write DVDs, if your computer doesn't have one in it, oh wait, it's a modern computer, it doesn't have one it in it? It doesn't have one in it. <laughs> that's going to cost you more when you consider the cost of the DVD writer and the media, then an external spinning hard drive, which is going to be much faster in terms of performance, and it's not going to have that same death knell that that media will. Okay. So does that so, make sense? Yes, that, that makes perfect sense. Uh, so I, I guess the message is to 
maybe the people who are listening, listening to this by accident, whose real interest is, oh, look, I got all the family photos of my, of my camera. Maybe I should put them on something. Uh, the old DVD system is not the way to go. No, it's not a good plan. And for those folks, they may actually have CDs because there used to be this thing called the photo CD. Right. That you would get back from your photo finisher. Yep. Copy those pictures off onto a hard drive starting now. Okay. Because that's old technology, right? It's now sure. at least over 10 years old. You don't want to lose them. And if, you're, if they were done under the Kodak Photo CD model, that was a proprietary software algorithm. Guess what doesn't run on any modern computer? That. Right. <laughs> okay. So you're going to need to get a little utility to get the images off if they're stored in some uh, proprietary model. Right. Um, but to that end, because you hit on something interesting, is there are some folks who think that they have a backup if they take the card out of the camera and put it in a drawer. Okay. A card will lose information over right. time. It does degenerate. It does degenerate. So using memory cards, particularly the older cards, as your safe repository mm -hmm. is a very bad plan. And I would say that the same thing is true for what we know of as USB memory sticks. Okay. Yep. Or anything like that. It's non-volatile memory, but it's also not stable like SSD memory. Okay. They're not the same thing. Okay. That's a, that's a good point. It's uh, something I think many people don't uh, don't think of. No. So I've got an example. I'm, and guys, you can't see this. But I'm holding up in front of Gord a 256 gigabyte USB drive. Jesus. That cost about 30 bucks. Right. A 256 SSD drive, same size, literally goes in your, like smaller than your pocket. Right. Is about $100. The technology in flash memory yep. versus SSD is different. Okay. So if you're going to use any kind of storage, spinning drive or SSD, and for my money today, SSD has reached the po price point that it just makes sense if you're buying new. Okay. Or the next time you're replacing a drive. Okay. Now that's your first drive. Right. At this point, you have how many backups? Uh, one. You've got the original. You've got the original. That's you're no, right, that's like none. One backup. You don't have no, anything. You don't have anything. That's right. So we need to make a local backup of that information. And by local, you mean attached to your computer. Attached to your computer. Right. It can be attached permanently. It can be detached and put in a drawer. I recommend keeping it attached permanently because then you can run software that synchronizes from your primary drive to your backup drive. Right. And you don't have to think about it. And if you're a Macintosh user, uh, I'm going to suggest Carbon Copy Cloner. Right. Because it works. Right. All the time. Yep. And I would use that same Acronis software if I was a Windows user. Okay. And I'm well under $100 in terms of that. Right. So... Now I've got my images in two places. 
So if OneDrive dies, have I lost anything? Well, you lost a drive, but uh, it's it's already copied onto something else. So right. So functionally, you've still got the same drive. I Functionally, I've still got all my information, all my pictures, my video clips. And by the way, you know, we've got a lot of folks now, uh, particularly through COVID, they're starting to record their own music at home. Right. That's media. Treat it the same way. Okay. Put it on an external drive and back it up. Because if you lose that primary external drive, that secondary, the one that we call the backup, poof, magically it becomes your new primary. Right. Because there's no difference at all. <clears throat> Make sense so far? Yes. So from what you were saying then, this the software that you are using, uh, whatever it may be, you, you talked about carbon cloner. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and Aquinas. I, and, I, and I do that. Um. They can be programmed to do a backup at whatever time you tell them to on a regular basis. Absolutely. So in my case, my images are stored on a network-attached storage subsystem. It's a big RAID array. Right. But every night at 1 in the morning, yep. Carbon Copy Cloner looks for anything that's new and copies it from the first array to a second array. Okay. And it keeps the two in sync. That's okay. Yep. But there's still a risk. Yep. What if there's a fire? Yep. What if there's a water damage? Yep. What if there's a tornado? Yep. What if there is some kind of event, because both storage elements are in the same physical location, that destroys both of them? What have you got? Nada. Nada. Plus, you're massively stressed out. Right. But because we're making so many photos and images today, we could lose something that's incredibly important and not even know we've lost it. Speaking of which... <laughs> Go ahead. Well, something that, that happened to me, actually, with, with all of this in place, um, it wasn't... The drive didn't crash, but something happened to my images. <coughs> and uh, Lightroom was seeing it as the original image is not to be found. You could get the thumbnail, but the original image in could not be found. Mm -hmm. And it was nothing that I did because you have drilled into me. You don't do anything outside Lightroom, etc. Right. So something had happened. I, I don't know, surge of power surge or yeah, that can, lightning strike, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Those can be damaging events. So the problem there was, as you said, Black Cloud Following is my other name. Uh, all the software uh, religiously backed up my corrupted file onto the other file. So I've got two corrupted files. Mm. The disks are working fine. That? Images? Eh, don't know. <laughs> okay, so that's actually going to take us into what we're going to call the, f the fourth level. Okay. The archive. Okay. Most folks don't get this far. So let's stop and deal with the fire problem. Yes. The fire flood tornado problem. 
Our risk now is that we lose the location yes. where that data is stored. So they, again, if we go back to IT best practices, we would want to have another backup stored off-site. Yep. Now, back in the old days, we would literally would run tapes. And we would hire a company that would come collect the new last night tapes every day and bring us back the tapes from the previous week. Right. So we could use them again. That's an exercise in live tedium. Now, what companies will sometimes do is if they have multiple locations and their IT people are on the, on the job, and these are mostly very, very smart people, as long as those sites are on different power grids and at least 10 kilometers apart, they'll make a copy and it will go on a regular basis, whatever the risk profile the organization chooses, to the other site. Okay. It's an off-site backup. So that you know, saying that the the offsite backup has an offsite backup. It is literally offsite. Okay, so two offsite backups, one done by the company. Yeah. Okay. Now, we as individuals, we can do the same thing. I have clients who not only will do local backups, but they will make an offsite backup, and then take that drive and put it in a safety deposit box. Okay. Challenge is you have to remember to go rotate that. Yep. And get it and update it. Yep. So that's falling more out of favor because we have the internet. Yep. Go cloud. Yep. And there are many, many services offering what we call cloud-based file-by-file backup. Okay. When we go to the cloud, we want to be able, in the event of something going wrong, to restore a single file. Yes. Because your photo collection could be terabytes. Yep. And that might take a long time to download. (coughs) Or, depending on the provider, you send them a new drive, they'll put put all your stuff on the new drive and ship it back to you. Right. With cloud backup, the files you choose get backed up incrementally all the time. Okay. If the file hasn't changed, a new backup isn't created. Okay. But if you and I come back from a shoot and I load 100 images and I call them down to 12, those 12 are going to go to my cloud backup site. Okay. And if something were to go wrong, if I lost both arrays... I could go to my cloud site and say, give me these images back. Okay. Now, when we look at cloud services, there are a ton of them out there. And you really got to read the fine print. Some of them don't support external attached drives. Right. Some of them will delete files if they're not accessed for some period of time. So you've got to be really, really careful. Now, I know a number of people are using the Backblaze service. Right. And it's fairly priced. But watch for the unused, what happens to your unused files. Because they will have, they will actually start deleting stuff if you don't touch it for a while. 
And that's in the end user agreement. You know that we call that the end user license agreement? Yes. All, the, one thing, all, the one nobody reads? Also known as the thing nobody reads. Okay. Exactly right. Um, I'm not taking away from Backblaze because they do they provide a good service at a fair price. Okay. I spend more money because I have files not only on local drives, external drives, but also on mounted NAS volumes. That's an array that's someplace else that I'm mounting as if it's a local drive. Right. And for that, I use a product called Crash Plan for Business. Okay. There used to be a, a product called Crash Plan for Home. Okay. It doesn't exist anymore. They terminated that a couple of years ago, and some people got really frustrated. But the business plan is really good. And so I advocate that if you've got more than one computer that you want to back up, because it supports multiple computers, <coughs> it's a good choice for me. Okay. And it might be a good choice for other people's use cases. Right. But again, read the documentation and check it against your use case. Uh, I had also heard about, uh, well, you said uh, crash plan backblaze, did back, you mention? Backblaze, yeah. And the other one I came across, which may or may not may be defunct by now, is Carbonite? Yeah, Carbonite is a is another so application. These are acceptable, uh, I've never used Carbonite. I can't offer okay. any comment on it. Fair enough. There used to be one called Mosey. Um, and again, I don't even know if it's still around. The industry is compressed in terms of cloud backups. Actually, that raises an interesting point. The, the industry being what it is and sort of labile at the best of times... So what happens to your backups if you're, let's say, with crash plan and they go belly up? They're gone. Okay. That's why you've got other backups. Okay. So, and this is, I think, a great point, Gordon. A single cloud backup is not a backup. Okay. Unless you've got three copies in at least two different places, you have no backup. <clears throat> Okay. That's the rule that we talk about. That's the rule of three. Right. Three copies in two places or zero. Okay. Okay. So we say three copies, two places, you have at least one usable. Right. That's the three, two, one thing that you hear about. Okay. When you talk about backup. Now, archiving, something that you brought up, says, I'm going to get another drive. And I'm going to back up all my images to it. And then I'm going to lock it away. Okay. I'm not going to update it. Ever. Okay. And it is going to sit as the point in time. Okay. So if something happens that corrupts the original images, you actually can go back and look at them as they were. Okay. If you're going to do that, it's 2021. I'm going to say do that on an SSD. Okay. Because this is a drive you're not going to touch a lot. <clears throat> okay. That's one that you may, in fact, put in your social, or whatever you call it, personal security storage right. at your bank or service provider. <clears throat> and you're not going to go get it and change it. It's your place of last resort. Okay. And that becomes what we call static data. It doesn't change, but it becomes eminently recoverable. Okay. 
That's an interesting point because uh, from the stuff I've read, I've never heard anybody mention that concept. So oh. archiving is not uncommon, and it comes to us from the financial services space. Okay. Um, where we need to, for the purpose of performance, move old data off a system. Okay. You know, if your database has a million records, it performs in one way. If it has a billion records, it performs differently. Okay, sure. So archiving is a way of streaming off. Okay. Now, for photos and videos for most of us as people, I wouldn't remove those images from my regular photo storage because they're not taking up all that much space, right. relatively speaking. Right. We're not talking about petabytes of data. Right. So, so those, those, are, those are still your primary thing as long as they're working. As long as that drive exists, it's the photo. If what, happened, if what happens to me happens to you, then you have a fallback. You can yeah. say, okay, yeah. this is up till the end of 2021. These are, this is what I had at that point, and you can go back and retrieve and that. And that's actually how most people who do this do this. They'll say, here's all my images up to date. Okay. Could be birthday, could be New Year's Day. It's whatever date you choose. Sure. But you're not making a brand new archive drive every week. No. Or every month. You go bankrupt doing that. Once a year, if you follow the other 3-2-1 rule, right. it's probably not a bad thing. And okay. as long as you're keeping your computer backed up and you've got three copies of your images and your videos, you're in pretty darn good shape. Okay. So, because, so, uh, so this is stuff that you pay for, but it, sometimes the stuff offered by Google and Amazon and I don't know whatever you came with your computer monitor. You know you got this much of uh, cloud storage. What format are they storing that that data in? Oh, you'd have to read the EULA, the thing that nobody reads. Yes. For most photo storage offerings like that, they only take JPEGs. Right. What if you're shooting raw? Well, that's, that was where I was coming from. They're backing up nothing. Now, as the cost of storage is falling, we're starting to see some of these companies saying, you know what, we'll take your raws. Okay. But only this meant this much storage. If it uses more than that, you're going to start paying for storage. Right. You could even go out to Amazon and buy your own replicated storage on their S3 network. It's expensive, but it works. It's personal choice, right? I worry a lot about these free services, though. You get 20 gigs free. Right. Is the company offering it in the storage management business? Uh, no, generally not. They may or may not be. So who's keep making sure that this stuff is working? I have no idea. Right. And that's the correct answer. We have no idea. How long will this be a priority for that company? Right. You know, we see lots of great services from Google that cost nothing. Right. But how many of great services free from Google have vanished over the That's years? Right. Don't exist anymore. Because it wasn't in the company's best interest to continue to maintain them. Right. Or they had a change in leadership and someone said, no, we're not going that way anymore. Right. 
you got 30 days to get all your stuff off. And they did that. And they've done that. And what if you're on a slow internet connection or what if you're traveling? You're screwed if you don't have your own backups. <coughs> so that's why when I say offsite cloud style storage, my recommendation is to stick with a company whose business is offsite cloud storage. First and foremost. Not it also gives you mail and right. search and all kinds of other cool stuff because there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Sure. If someone says it's free, there's a price tag in there somewhere. The price tag might be risk. Yep. That it yep. could all just go away. Now from companies like Microsoft. And from Apple, you can actually buy online storage. Mm -hmm. Microsoft, uh, Microsoft calls it... Dip, cloud, well, they call it OneDrive. Microsoft is OneDrive, yes. And Apple calls it iCloud. Yes. These companies are data center oriented. Yes. Ma you know, Microsoft's Azure cloud is enormous. I think only Amazon and IBM's CDNs, content delivery networks, are bigger. And I could be wrong about that because things change. Microsoft is a very credible storage organization. Apple has dedicated data centers specifically for iCloud. Yep. And they are in locations on multiple power sources in grids where there's nothing else happening. Okay. And by the way, Microsoft treats it the same way. And so does Amazon in their data centers, and so does IBM in theirs. IBM tends to focus on corporation. Yep. But the other three will service end users. You just need to make sure that where your images are stored and your videos are stored is going to be easily accessible and recoverable. Right. And the only way to do that is to read the end user license agreement and understand what's involved. Sure but they are not bad. I use iCloud. Mm -hmm. I use OneDrive. I don't use them for images or videos, but I use them for documents and email history and all that kind of yep. thing. Mm -hmm. Because at the base level, that's 256 gigs, right? I'm holding right. up that stick again, guys. You can't see me mm. waving crap around. I have a 256 gig card in my drive. Right. Oh, I got 20 gigabytes free. Mm. It's not really helping me a lot, right? And while it is real-time available, I can actually put files there and use them in real-time without having to restore them. It's different from backup. I'd have to buy an awful lot of storage. Mm -hmm. Because you get so much free, and then you start to pay. Yes. Now you may and not I be paying know, a lot. I don't know what their scheme is for paying after that, whether it kind of goes up exponentially from there. It depends not. on the vendor, and it depends on how many accounts you have. You know, you have services like Dropbox, for example. That's another cloud storage, but it's not a cloud backup tool, right? Because it copies a folder on your drive or one of your external drives, if mm -hmm. you wish. Mm -hmm. And that's super useful. You get so much for free. Right. 
and then you pay for extra storage. The thing to remember, when you are using real-time access to an iCloud or a OneDrive or a Dropbox, right. they work great, but what do you have to have? you got to have fast internet. Right. Because you're hauling files at least 20 megabytes yep. back and forth every time you do a save or an open. Right. Maybe that's a challenge. You know, if you're living in a large metropolitan center in North America, well, in the U.S., that's very inexpensive. Right. It's actually quite a bit more expensive in Canada. And it goes up in cost in some other countries. And we also have to remember, if you're not in a, a large metropolitan area in Canada, for example, where we are, you may not have any options mm -hmm. for really high-speed internet. Mm -hmm. That's why people are very excited about this whole Starlink low-orbit satellite thing, because you might be able to get higher-speed bandwidth right. in a place where there is no bandwidth. Mm-hmm. And that describes about 95% of Canada, geographically. Yep. There's no wire in the ground. So these are all considerations. And that's why I advocate <coughs> local backup first. Right. Backup to the cloud. Yep. Because backup to the cloud is not real-time access. When I first joined CrashPlan, my upload... Took four and a half months. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. Yes, <laughs> because it's backing up, and not and and typically not consuming all of your internet unless you're not using it at all, unless the computer's doing nothing. Right. So it's going to take a long time. Right. You know, if you've got a terabyte of photos or more, a lot of people do. Expect it to take months. Right. For it to get there. So the day you sign up with whomever you sign up with, you don't have a cloud backup. You have. And you may not have it for a couple of months. You have the beginning of a cloud backup. Great. And that's why these locals are so very, very important. Okay. Talking about locals now, you, you, uh, you said two words that uh, may get confusing. You mentioned a RAID, and you mentioned a NAS. Okay. So there are people who are geeks. I don't know any. Techno dorks. <laughs> oh, shut up. One <laughs> sitting across from you. <laughs> so for people who want a lot of storage to appear as a single volume. Okay. Perhaps bigger than a single drive. Mm-hmm. Like if I buy an SSD, I can buy, and honestly, I haven't looked in a bit. I know I can buy a four terabyte SSD, but it's pretty expensive. And I think I can buy an 18 terabyte spinning drive. But they're pretty expensive. Right. And as soon as anything's in one place, I've got a risk of loss. Mm -hmm. So RAID stands for Redundant Array of independent or inexpensive disks, depending on who you talk to. Right. And what you do, it's, it's, it's a box. And you put multiple drives in it, and it writes your data across multiple drives. And if you lose any drive, it can be recovered by the information on all the others. And it does that in the background. Okay. Um, so that's what RAID is. 
And there are many different implementations of RAID. You want one that is going to be reliable. Mm -hmm. So not RAID 0 and not RAID 1 and not RAID 10. You're going to get into it. You're looking for RAID 5, typically. That's striped. It's called striping RAID, across RAID multiple drives. RAID 5 drives. means what? You got five drives? No, it means however many drives you have, your data is striped across all of them. Okay. And so each drive all your all, data is written across all of them? Yep. All of your, whatever you put on the RAID array. Okay. Um, a NAS, Network Attached Storage, is a RAID array that is not connected directly to your computer. It's connected to your network in, in your home or business okay and you connect to it not via local connection not by thunderbolt or usb you connect it to it over ethernet okay and if you're going to go down that route because you want bags and bags of storage and you don't want to risk any single drive going bad right and you let's say you wanted 100 terabytes of storage well four terabytes max size for SSD, that'd be a lot of drives. Mm -hmm. But I could get to 100 terabytes with the overlay that comes from RAID arrays with seven, 18 terabyte drives. Okay. That's a single, that's a single box. And, and there is software that controls all of this. It, it's actually got its own CPU and its own memory. Okay. And it can, and yes, the software is in the box. If all your computers are off, the box is still working. Okay. And they have, they can be survivable. They can have caching okay. for better performance. Um, I've tried a lot of these tools and I was slagging Drobo early and I'm going to slag them again. It's a proprietary form of RAID. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with their form form of RAID, but every single Drobo device I've bought has died. So I don't recommend them. Okay. But another box that does its own RAID or can do generic RAID is from a company called Synology. And I hardly recommend Synology. Okay. I use it here for my businesses. I also use it in the businesses that I work for. So I've got multiple Synology NASes in multiple locations because it's highly fault tolerant. I can actually do NAS to NAS replication, put two to get, put two in. You're probably not going to do this at home. Although we have folks on the Kelby One community who do this, where the one NAS is replicated to the second one automatically, transparently in the background. Okay. And so if the one NAS burnt down, the second one will come up because it's physically in a different location because it can use the internet to replicate itself. Mm -hmm. Now, the drives that go in there uh, are not necessary. You, you don't get the drives when you buy a RAID. You, you, you hope not to. Okay. Because you want to choose the size of the drive. Right. Based on your use and cases. you can buy anything that you wanted and you put can, them in. You can buy any vendor's product you want. My guidance is buy a NAS-designed drive. Okay. Which is not the same as a drive that you put in your home computer, if you're building your own computer. Okay. 
the performance characteristics, the, the, and it's long-term, always-on type of criteria should be a little bit different. In my case, and I'm not saying this is right for everybody, I only use Western Digital Red NAS NAS drives. Okay. They're built specifically to be used in a NAS. Okay. And they've got all the right performance criteria, and uh, I've never lost one. I've never had one go bad. Now, in that array, in one of the slots, I have an extension frame because I ran out of space. I wanted more drives. Go figure. In one of the slots, I have an SSD. Okay. And what that SSD does is it forward caches the reads from the drive. Okay. So when I'm working on video, because video is big, mm-hmm. as soon as I make a call to read it, it's lifting... It's making a copy of the of the video off the spinning disk onto the SSD. Okay. SSD runs at the speed of memory, way faster than the speed of disk, so I see less performance degradation. If I was just doing photos, I could care less. Mm-hmm. Because the photos are small. Right, in comparison. In comparison, but a 4K video that shot in... Cinema Raw gets enormous mm-hmm. real fast. Right. So yeah, you can use a NAS as your storage location, but then still make sure you back it up. Yeah, because it's one more thing on, on location. But it's one more thing on location. location. Right. So, so that rule still applies, your 321. Your 321 so. rule applies always. Always. Yes. No matter what storage mechanism you're using. Okay. So, guys, that about covers it. I think so. It's not that, conceptually, it's not that hard. Think three, two, one. I need at least three copies in two places to have one that I can really trust. Right. That's three, two, one. If you want to go to archiving, fill your boots. Just don't delete the stuff off your primary drives when you go to archive. Right. Now, how do you do that? The software we talked about already? Yep. You can use it to make an archive. Okay. Carbon Copy Cloner, Acronis, they will both make an image, put it on an external drive, and you can go take it and place it wherever you want. You know, in, in any kind of secure storage. Okay. The advantage of bank bank security vaults is they tend to be uh, robust. You're not really worried about stealing, but you're worried about fire. You're worried about water. Mm -hmm. And these places, they're built to withstand that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, as a human, we probably can't afford to build that in our home, but they can. Right. So, guys, I hope that you found this useful. Gordon, you think we covered most everything? I think so. I think so too. But if you do have questions, you can certainly send questions in via email. Ross at the photovideoguy.ca. Gordon and I will look at them and we'll get you an answer. Otherwise, thanks very much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, peace. I've been Ross. And I've been Gordon. And still am. And I'll probably be Ross next week. But we never know. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <clears throat>